A good summer. Finally. When your kids go to bed. Ugh, finally. Making a profit. Finally. A business bank doing something different. Finally. Like giving cash back on your business account. Introducing the new Santander 123 Business Current account. Finally. A proper reason to switch. Cash back up to £300 annually on credit turnover. Monthly fee £12.50. For UK-based companies with up to two directors, owners or partners. 18 plus T's and C's apply. Attention Studio Ghibli fans. G-Kids and Fabulous Events are bringing Hayao Miyazaki's Academy Award winning film Spirited Away to theatres on October 28th, 29th and 30th as part of Studio Ghibli Fest for a special three day event. Follow Chihiro through the spirit world as she uses her wits to survive in strange new places, free her parents from Yubaba's curse and return to the normal world. Overflowing with imaginative creatures and thrilling storytelling, Spirited Away is a worldwide smash hit and one of the most critically acclaimed films of all time. Head over to GibbyFest.com to get your tickets now. US listeners only. Well, hello there and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast for animationforadults.com. I'm Chris and I'm joined today by Dan. Hello, Dan. Hello, Chris. And it's just two of us. I nearly said by just Dan, and then I thought, no, that's kind of you know, underselling you. I didn't want to do that, <laughs> but I did want to point. I'll earn it. I, I you know, just Dan for now, and then by the end of the podcast, it will be wow, Dan, Dan Esquire, mm-hmm. <laughs> Sir, Sir Dan, mm-hmm. of, Sir Dan of, of Greenwich currently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'll I'll leave my uh, my postcode at the end. Mm. <laughs> uh, and my mother's maiden name. So uh, we are here to talk about some. This week we're going to catch up with lots of animation news because we haven't talked about that for a while, and also finish up by just talking about some animation stuff that we've been watching recently. Um, this is your first episode. You'll find all our previous episodes either on animationfadops.com itself, on Stitcher, on Apple Podcasts, and on your favourite uh, podcast service. As long as it's not one we're not on, I guess. We're not on, we're not on Spotify. <laughs> Some people listen to their podcasts on there. Uh, we, we're not on there yet. <laughs> I, I, just, I saw a link to how you do it, but I just didn't bother, <laughs> to be honest. They can find. They can find. They can find us. Yeah. <laughs> so um, there's a bunch of news to get into, but we're going to start off with um, by uh, bringing the mood down a bit because uh, the animation world has lost a few few lights recently. We've had a few losses, and we did want to just pay a quick tip of the hat to those dear departed people. Uh, not dwell on it too much because, as I said. Pulls down the mood a bit. Um, but the first one was in the British animation world. Roger Mainwood, who was the director of Ethel and Ernest, the wonderful film based on Raymond Briggs's graphic novel. Um, he also worked on several of the other uh, Raymond Briggs TV specials. He worked on um, The Snowman, The Snowman and the Snow Dog, When the Wind Blows, uh, Father Christmas. He also worked on other things like The World of Peter Rabbit, Stressed Eric, Megan Mogg, 
uh, heavy metal, the uh, weird French anthology thing. Uh, so he had a, a good career. He was, by all accounts, a top bloke. Um, and it's uh, obviously sad news that he's no longer with us. But he did get to do his his lifelong, well, his long gestating project with Ethel and Ernest. I know he was wanting to make that for years, and he saw it happen and come out. That that happened. Yeah, I can't say. uh, I know the guy. I know a few people who rubbed shoulders with him. And, yeah, I've just heard great things about him. Sounds sounds lovely. And, um, yeah, it's it's very sad news. Mm. Uh, Also passed away is um, the American stop-motion specialist Will Vinton, um, who I have to say I had not heard of um, before hearing about his passing. But I I was familiar with some of his work because I knew of the um, uh, California Raisins. They were um, like, Mm -hmm. I think, I think they were adverts and then they were maybe like a holiday special or something. And then it was turned into like a, just a hand-drawn cartoon that I remember when I was a kid. Um, so I don't think he was anything to do with that particularly. Um, but he did, he did the, um, the, the Moonwalker animation with the, the bunny rabbit head, the Michael Jackson movie, Moonwalker. Oh, all right, yeah. Yeah, I, I saw that in the picture that you, you posted, Chris, and that, like, had a really deep... You know when something from your childhood, like, reappears and you have a very deep, visceral... Yeah. Uh, hang of nostalgia or familiarity, like like looking at an old photograph of, like, a, an old school friend or something. Like, I had that, like, looking at this photo of... Will Vinton surrounded by his creations and mm-hmm. yeah, it's um, that's that's an amazing thing to have created because I pretty much associated the way his things moved with American stop motion animation, mm-hmm. claymation. I think he, I think he um, he actually like trademarked the term claymation. Oh, right, yeah. I have a feeling. Like that might be the case. Um, yeah, yeah, it's really iconic, iconic stuff, really. Um, he also worked on the series The PJs, I think that was a, a 90s series, um, which was a sitcom stop motion. Uh, it was great. The PJs was, was great. Was Eddie Murphy a voice in that, or am I? Someone, someone was a, a voice. Who was it? <laughs> um, I believe it was all um, centered around uh, Eddie Murphy, wasn't it? It was yeah. like a Eddie Murphy sitcom where he played all the characters type thing. <laughs> he played, uh, he played, yeah, I think he played a few. But like, mm-hmm. that was a really important. Larry Wilmore was in it. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I think, he created it as well. But yeah, like that was a really iconic show. And also. People might not know this, but um, he founded a animation studio in Portland, in Oregon, and um, it would basically become Leica. Um, but like what? No, become Leica. Sorry, I know it's a very good joke. Yeah. It's a very good joke. 
became mm-hmm. Leica, which is obviously the animation studio yeah. we know. Um, and it's kind of a crappy thing that happened in that the the, um, the uh, Nike co-founder Phil Knight became an investor in the studio in the early 2000s, and he mm-hmm. a- ousted Vinton from his own company and put his son in the in the position. So Travis Knight, basically, um, who, whose dad is incredibly rich, and that's kind of why Leica is still able to put out films, even though they don't sadly make that much money, because it's kind of like a project for rich people. And it's, it's a bit sad to hear that the um, the origin of like has got that slightly iffy point of it, but I would. I, I guess, but I mean, I guess if he if he started a studio in Portland, mm. that talent or that thirst to even for for that talent wouldn't exist there possibly without him. Mm-hmm. So he has like a. It seems because I saw in the article it said that he was based in Portland, and it was like, oh well, I guess he must have he must have had something to do with how that just became a hotbed for. Uh, stop motion animators. And the other person who sadly passed away was Adam Burks, who was a veteran Pixar animator. Who um, he started so off. Adam Burke. Adam, sorry, Burke. Adam Burke. Yep. Sorry. Yep. Adam Burke, who's a veteran Pixar animator. Um, he worked on basically all of Brad Bird's films, uh, Pixar and pre-Pixar because he worked on The Iron Giant as well. Um, he also worked on Don Bluth films. He worked on Space Jam. He worked on The Road to El Dorado, Sinbad's Legend of the Seven Seas, Spirits Telling the Cimarron. So uh, he's worked at like DreamWorks, uh, Don Bluth Studios, uh, Warner Brothers, and then Pixar. And uh, he he worked right up to Incredibles 2. So, and again, apparently a very awesome person who did lots of uh, beyond just animation, but he also um, did like lots of charitable stuff. Like he, um, I think he he was um, like local hospitals and things that like he spearheaded. Yeah, Brad like, said he shepherded Pixar's children's hospital business. <laughs> So um, yeah, yeah. So that's very sad as well. And it's always it's always a bummer when you don't actually know people and know about people until they die. And then you're like, oh, that was a really cool person. And I didn't know about them. And as I said, <laughs> um, brings down the mood a bit. And that's just tip our hats to yeah, those those animation figures and move on to something a bit lighter. And that is Animation is Film, the uh, animation festival started by Annecy International, G-Kids Films and Variety, and Asifa Hollywood is coming back to Hollywood for a second year this year in October, so coming up soon. Um, And they have announced their full lineup, and it is a very impressive lineup featuring animation from all over the world and... um, it includes uh, such films as Mirai from Mamoru Hosoda, uh, who will also be at the festival, 
and they will also be showing his back catalogue. So they'll be showing The Girl Who Left Through Time, Wolf Children, Summer Wars, and The Boy and the Beast. Uh, they will be screening the Japanese animated film Penguin Highway. Uh, Oko's Inn, and I Want to Eat Your Pancreas, which is a another Japanese animated title. The world premiere of Studio Ponock's Modest Heroes Ponock Short Film Theatre Volume 1 with a Q&A session. Um, they will be also screening will be Fudan, Bunel in the Labyrinth of the Turtles, Another Day of Life, Tito and the Birds, Nina Paley's Sadomasochism, This Magnificent Cake. Yes, that is the title of the film. Um, and there will also be some... This Magnificent, sorry, this magnificent Cake mm-hmm. is directed by um, uh, Mark James Rhodes. I'm sorry, I'm butchering that name. Um, an amazing stop motion uh, director. And it, it looks like it's a fantastic film. Um, he only did, um, sorry, yeah, he only did uh, shorts before. He did a short called Oh Willie. Mm-hmm. It sort of, make, sort of makes like stop motion films with like fuzzy felt people. So this is very exciting news for me. Sorry. That's <laughs> right. Derail that train. It looks I mean, not only is that a good title, but it's genuinely something to be excited about. I think it might be in a, some sort of anthology as well. I think. On, on a certain theme, I think. Mm. Um, there will also be presentations of giving previews of Ralph Breaks the Internet, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and um, there's also like a retrospective screening of The Prince of Egypt. So as well as like all the indie and international films, there is a representation from like Disney and DreamWorks and Sony as well. So everyone's taking notice. And this is running from October 19th to 21, to, no, no, October 19th to the 21st at the world famous Man's Chinese Theatre in Hollywood, California, USA. <laughs> um, and uh, they, they, will, they will be handing out awards to prize winners. And the, there's a very impressive jury that includes such figures as Henry Selleck, Jorge Gutierrez, Jennifer U. Nelson and Dean DeBlois. So there will also be an audience award as well. So that's all very good news if you're in the Hollywood era. Area. <laughs> it's all very good news if you're in LA or Hollywood or California sort of era. <laughs> era. Why can't I say area? <laughs> Dan, say something. <laughs> area. Say something else. <laughs> Why is it called the Man's Chinese Theatre? I mean, I, the Chinese Man's Theatre? Or the Man's... So it, it's a guy called Man. Mm. And it's the Chinese Theatre. Right? Is that like is that like saying the... The... the oh, see, now I'm tripping off as well. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah, fine. Great. <laughs> Sorry, it's like... <laughs> It's like, oh, great, people in Hollywood have got another cool thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you lucky people. Yeah, um, yeah but we did, note, we did mention there the uh, Studio Pollock film Modest Heroes 
Pollock Short Field Theatre Volume 1, which is also being confirmed that it is coming to the US via G-Kids next January. Cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, this is the anthology film that's got um, three sections, one of which is directed by Hiramasa Yonobayashi and uh, two of which are directed by um, people who are associated with Ghibli but have not directed before. I don't, well, one of them definitely hasn't. Um, um, yeah, I think they're all, they're all Ghibli veterans, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them was a, worked particularly uh, closely with Isa Asaka Takahata, and one of them worked in, mainly with uh, Miyazaki. Yeah, I think one of them. I, I'm gonna. Unfortunately, I can't find like good information about the directors. They're just talking about. Yeah, um, Yamamose. Yeah, who worked with Takahata also um, was the animation director on Nino Kuni. Ah, sweet. Yeah. Um, and the trailers in this look pretty charming. Uh, and I think I think this is an interest. We have we have talked about this film before, but I think it's a. It's an interesting direction for Ponot to go in, but sort of um, uh, marking it out as rather than just like making another Ghibli clone or whatever. Yeah, I think they're very aware of that. I, th- I think they're very aware of that. <laughs> yeah, just like, yeah, what makes us different to Ghibli? And um, yeah, I I hope they I hope they grow beyond Ghibli sooner rather than later into their own studio. It would also be nice, like, in Volume 2 or whatever, the studio Ponok thing, be interesting to see, like, even fresher talents given, given a chance. Um, that's true. Well, okay, well, yeah, I guess... Yeah, you're right. I guess famously, like... Um, maybe not famously, but uh, Miyazaki said that he basically consumed anyone who tried to become his predecessor. <laughs> who, who, sorry, who tried to become his um, you know, like a successor. Successor, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Bloody prefixes and sus, sus, Sussexes. Sussexes and Essexes. Um, yeah, he's sort of like yeah, he's been quite open with that, actually, and just said, yeah, you know, I, I wasn't the best at making sure that I was cultivating talent. Um, and uh, some of the names, you know, like um, uh, uh, Akihiko Yamashita, Momose as well, like, they've been, they are actually, like, veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it's 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 a shame. I mean, it's good that they are being given their chance finally, essentially, to uh, to direct something. And um, I can't think of like creatively. There's no better way to um, develop ideas than to create a bunch of shorts. Mm-hmm. It's what um, it's what Miyazaki did himself, really, with the Ghibli Museum. Yeah. You know, like, using the Ghibli Museum shorts, he was able to 
develop styles of backgrounds and animation um, that that made it possible basically for him to make Ponyo as radically different looking as it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, Disney do the same thing. They test out technologies with new shorts and like, for instance, like a film like Feast. Yeah. The, the movie, like, you know, they were just trying out a whole new style there. So it's cool that they're, um, you know, as much as it's a nice anthology film for everyone, it's also very much an investment in, uh, yeah, cultivating talent. Yeah, but unlike the Ghibli Museum shorts, at least we can watch these ones. That's true. Well, you see, and again, like that's, I, f- I feel like that's a little bit of a, a wee dig, perhaps, at the... You know, this isn't Ghibli, this is Ponok, and Ponok is aware that there is um, international audiences and, you know, technology exists, essentially. I think <laughs> they, always, I, they always release their trailers on YouTube, actually. Yes, that's what I was going to say. I think Ponok are very plugged in, or, you know, they yeah. know what they're doing, and, like, yeah. they released a subtitle trailer of their, of, um, Mary and the Witch's Flower, like before it was, mm-hmm. li- you know, or before it was announced that it was licensed at least, an English subtitle trailer. So, well, it's that- because basically, I mean, basically, like they've got, I mean, very cheap publicity if they do that. Mm-hmm. People are it- watching them anyway, and then yeah, just whack, whack some subs on a, on a trailer, and suddenly every international movie site is reporting on. You know your new movie. Whereas other people are like, no, we're going to region lock this trailer because we don't want people to know about our thing. Yeah, I, I have no sympathy for people who think <laughs> like that because it's just stupid. No, you are not allowed to know about this until we decide your country is ready. <laughs> yeah, it's it's what happens, I guess, when people forget what the purpose of marketing is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. So that looks like a good bunch of movies. And also, speaking of Hayao Miyazaki, G-Kids have also announced that they are bringing something a bit different to cinemas in the US, and that is the uh, the documentary Hayao Miyazaki Never Ending Man. Which is... Oh, you mean the TV documentary? That the TV documentary that was showed on NHK <laughs> a couple of years ago. It's a little bit cheeky. It's the un. It's basically it's the un unretiring documentary, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, the documentary, which is spoilers, it seems to have been made almost entirely to advertise the fact that he was going to start making a new film. <laughs> so this is about the documentary about the rem- the making of the short film, and then he goes like, no. I have unretired. Ah, twist. The, the benefit is that it's a very, um, it's a it's a very fly on the wall documentary. Mm-hmm. There are some scenes which are just filmed like with him, uh, you know, with like a little fisheye lens camera on his desk, and he kind of almost forgets it's there, and just it's um, he relaxes a little bit and says things that are quite candid. Um, 
it's a very interesting documentary about a guy who is unable to retire for 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 reasons that are not financial in the slightest. But you know, um, it's just about an itch that won't die. Is this the film that the famous clip came from, where yes. they showed him that CG thing? And he's like, this is against nature. <laughs> you should feel very bad. That's a very interesting part of the film because he is questioning whether he should have even um, pursued. So basically he's making this, uh, the film is about him making a sh- CG short film, mm-hmm. uh, Borrow the Caterpillar, which is an idea that he's had like for years and years and years. He was going to make it. Um, around the time of Princess Mononoke. And Suzuki talked him out of it because he was like, <laughs> I mean, the whole point of the film was going to be the journey from one tree to another. It was a very, like, stripped-down concept. And um, Suzuki was like, look, this is a very Miyazaki idea, and it's great. But we've got to be careful with, like, the whole Ghibli image. Why don't we make that Mononoke thing? Because that looks like a cool action movie, and you're only getting older. And, you know, I think this is the sort of movie you can only make, you know, before you're 60. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, like, that was how long Borrow's been, Borrow the Caterpillar's been, like, boiling away in Miyazaki's mind. And, um, yeah, the documentary is about him making the short film. Mm-hmm. And the short film he decided to make um, in CG uh, with the help of some younger uh, CG artists and it's sort of watching him uh, kind of like a dog sniffing out <laughs> a new friend <laughs> like do I trust this CG nonsense or you know is it too far removed from my way of life or am I just being a stick in the mud um, yeah and the scene comes about where um, some people demonstrate some sort of procedurally generated animation um, which is able to like remap uh, walking animation into other limbs and j- just using maths, just like literally saying, okay, that information there for walking, just remap that onto like the head and the shoulder. So the head and the shoulder move in a very a violently uh, enthusiastic way, you know, like like legs, basically. And Miyazaki understands this. But rather than seeing the the potential of the algorithm or, you know, however it's done, the maths behind it, he says, the image that you've thrown on screen is offensive to disabled people. (laughs) And he talks about how he used to uh, see... um, a friend of his who was who was disabled, I can't remember exactly the condition, but he was saying essentially, you know, movement for this guy was painful. And the animation that they had called monstrous reminded him of his disabled friend. And yeah, and that was when he said, uh, this is an insult to life itself. Only, of course, ev- everyone reported on the fact that he was calling CG animation an insult to life itself because the internet 
There is some gleeful, yeah, misinterpretation of everything Miyazaki ever says. And in fact, the documentary is, <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it entirely because it's worth, it's worth, um, it will be definitely worth checking out. The documentary has some very funny moments um, with some very gallows humour about mm. Miyazaki and how old he's going to be when he finishes his new movie or if he'll ever finish it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good documentary and uh, it's worth checking out. Yeah, um, we don't have an exact date for this thing, I don't think. Uh, let me check. This film will be released theatrically in the US sometime this winter with a date to be announced. Um, it has also been announced as forthcoming in the UK from Anime Limited, but further details are also to be confirmed there. But uh, you'll be getting a chance, if you haven't seen it, you'll be getting a chance to see it. Um, possibly on the big screen if you're in the US anyway. Even that's made for TV. Um, so something that is definitely coming to cinemas is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which is coming out in December of this year. And a new trailer was released uh, in the run-up to New York Comic Con and... It's a very good trailer. <laughs> it's one of the best uh, animation, you know, trailers for an animated movie I've ever seen. Like, no, no question. It, um, it's it, very much, they're very much like, because uh, this was reported ages ago, and we reported on it, um, that it was, it was being developed by uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Yes. And this is like, that was, I think, like the Lego movie had pretty much just come out that year. Mm-hmm. And they were like hot property. This is like before they've been shunned by Lucasfilm and, <laughs> and uh, you know, the, the, you know the, the, famous, the famous firing where, where Chris, on the Han Solo movie, mm-hmm. the one that they shot first. Oh... Uh... Um, yeah, so we recorded on this movie ages ago, and it was like, what does that, what does that mean? Like a Spider-Man movie by the Lego movie guys? Like, is that going to be disrespectful? <laughs> or is it going to be, like, what's it going to be? And yeah, I wasn't prepared for it being as imaginative as it is. Yeah. People have pointed out the kind of irony of the fact that, like, the most ambitious and uh, different and like just generally not um, doesn't seem to be like formulaic and everything animated film coming out this year is a Spider-Man movie <laughs> it's like a you know it's a known brand it, it's, a, it's tied to Marvel and everything and they've let them do this <laughs> I think it's I think it's genius, and it's yeah, it's it's definitely yeah, like they have to have an unbelievable amount of confidence to do that with a property. But I think there's also like this, it, it's kind of announced the fact. It's it's kind of like, the reason it's so surprising is because if this had come out next year, it might have been 
predictable. But it seems like it's come up just ahead of the curve and there are things in it that, there are things in the trailer that, that happen that are so out there, I can only just sit back and just applaud. Like I did, I when I saw the trailer, I, I looked um, stunned. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I, I just, I had no idea that they were going to push it in as many directions as they seem to have. Um, yeah, and it's, it's. Uh, I just want to see the damn movie already. It looks so good. <laughs> and it looks really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the thing is, like, basically, the Lego movie taught them, look, if you have a good brand, if you have a thing that sells, you know, toys already, then you can pretty much do anything and people will arrive. Like, people will, you know, People go to the cinema to see it. But the just the art style is so interesting. And it's incredible. I mean, there are scenes in the woods where they're training in the woods and some of the trees are just like silhouettes. They're not... Um, it doesn't feel as uh, in any way like it's it's using CG in a very freeing way mm-hmm. that I don't think I've ever seen to this degree before. Yeah, I can't remember ever being this excited about the C- like a CG animation style <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, well, it's sort of started to happen like a few years ago. Like I guess like Paperman, mm. like about five years ago now, was the first time when like a mainstream studio went look cg can be 2d as well and vice versa but this just seems to just you know it's sony just like throwing down the gauntlet saying well yeah okay that's cute but how about like this perfect blend of cg and 2d and you know every other type of animation style basically well yeah it's weird because there have been like lots of attempts to make make CG look like it's 2D before, and a lot of them, I think, have fallen flat. Like uh, the some of the anime that have done it, and um, also Dragon Prince. Um, but this looks this like it's got it right. <laughs> it's it seems to okay. It seems to me simply to work because it's not designed by committee. Mm-hmm. It seems like they just trusted the designers. They just went, like, well, looks good. We'll do that. You know, it's that old thing of, um, you know, when you look through a concept art book, an art art book, and you're like, sometimes you just you just think, why couldn't they have just, why do they have to tone it down? Mm-hmm. And this seems to be like a one for one, you know, the movie looks like the concept art. Oh, that's going to be an art book to get. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the, we should probably just say a little bit about the um, the plot that we get more of in this trailer. Um, we already knew that it's like a, a, um, a multiple dimensions, multiple Spider-Man storyline. So we've got Miles Morales um, 
somehow teaming up with um, Peter Parker, but an older Peter Parker. Um, and we learn in this trailer that it is Kingpin has been playing with a super collider. And this seems to uh, transport Miles Morales into a parallel um, existence where he meets Peter Parker and he becomes his mentor. Mentor, And then then we meet Spider-Gwen, Gwen Stacy, um, who we get to see her face for the first time because in the first teaser, you just saw her with her spider costume on. Um, and it looks like she's a, a drummer. Um, and we also meet lots of other Spider-Men, uh, or Spider-People, I should say, because there is um, Penny Parker, who is a anime-style Spider person, who's like a, a Jap- like a Japanese style schoolgirl with a um a uh, like a spider tanky thing, um, Spider Man Noir who is going to be voiced by Nicolas Cage, <laughs> um, Perfect. Peter Porker, Spider Ham, uh, voiced by John Mulaney, brilliantly, um, yeah. Whose whose nose is? I just noticed his nose. The nostrils look like the Spider-Man eyes on the actual Spider-Man mask. <laughs> like his nose is a Spider-Man mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looks so good. I, it's, cra- it's, it's genius that they've taken a... Um, you know, I, I said this a while ago, like back when... Like Spider-Man Homecoming was announced. I was like, yeah, they don't have to do the setup of Spider-Man again because everyone and his grandma or her grandma like knows Spider-Man. Like, you know, oh, it's a kid in Queens who got bitten by a spider and his uncle dies and that's that. You know, it's like, that's boring really now because superhero movies are so commonplace. Mm-hmm. Um, what seemed fantastical once is now just like, you know, you started seeing people say things like, oh, it feels like this movie came from the 90s. Yeah. Like about Venom or um, Doctor Strange. And yeah, this feels like a movie for now. It's kind of, you know, meta in that kind of way that like the Lego movie really hit with. And it's it's using... Um, it's it's like it's it's um it's meta textualized comic mythology, mm-hmm. like it, you know the fact that there are lots of alternate versions of Spider Man, it's made, um, you know, part of the story. Mm-hmm. And it just looks flipping great. <laughs> yeah, um, I I am not like down enough on my comics mythology or whatever to be able to get all the ins and outs necessarily but no no nor am i but i think the tightrope walk they'll be walking um mm-hmm. and seem to have uh managed that exactly is the difference between you know like a kid who knows who miles morales is mm-hmm. and maybe like like i just imagining like my dad watching this yeah you know like he can follow the trailer because mm-hmm. you know who Spider-Man is. Like, you have that jumping-off point. Yeah. Um, introducing a new generation to Miles Morales properly. Because he's not had his... This is, like, the first Miles Morales movie. 
Yeah. Which is great. Um, and yeah, uh, it's it's just exciting. It's Spider-Man. I just, what's not to laugh? I, I'm not sure though if this is going to be like really, really successful or whether it's going to be like the next film that everyone's complaining that no one got, went to see, but it was amazing. And never got a sequel to or whatever because they're like, ah, oh, why didn't everyone go and see that? Why did everyone go and see, I don't know, Mary Poppins instead or whatever? No, no, um, no shade on Mary Poppins. Yeah. No, not at all. I'd be watching both of them. Yeah. It's hard to say, man. It's really hard to say. I think this could be huge. Mm -hmm. I think they've done something which is like the Lego movie, tapped into. Like a collective understanding of pop culture and mythology and um, meta humor, basically, that people are now savvy to. Yeah. Um, yeah, and maybe perhaps you know, if the if this was released like a year after the Lego movie, mm -hmm. I think um, it might struggle. But I feel like I feel certainly very strongly that. Audiences are going to be are going to get it entirely. Yeah, I hope so. I, yeah. I really. Yeah, no, I hope so because I just want to see. Even if this isn't, if there's not another Spider-Man movie, I just want to see this creative team working again because, uh, yeah, it just looks gorgeous. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of that that rush you got like watching. Um, I'm a really big fan of Speed Racer. Yeah. <laughs> It reminds me of that kind of rush of just like, hey, what if a movie was exciting colours? <laughs> I'm, I'm already in. Yeah, so this is coming out on December 14th, I think. Let me see. December 14th, 2018. I, I'm pretty sure it's the same release date, US and UK. And it is directed by Bob Perichetti, Peter Ramsey, who you may know as director of um, Legend of the Guardians, and Rodney Rotham. And the screenplay is by Phil Lord. So there you go. And if you want to see a detailed breakdown of the trailer, I wrote that up. That's the first time I've done that. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I'll be doing it a lot because it didn't particularly get more interest than when we just write a little news post on the trailer. But, Sorry, Peter Ramsey directed Rise of the Guardians. Yeah, isn't that what I said? You said Legends of the Guardians. Oh, is that the Owl movie? That's the Owl movie. Oh, sorry, not the Owl movie. He directed the... Um, uh, DreamWorks the, one, yeah. The Santa Claus, Jack Frost, yeah. Sandman. Yeah. I, that's what I meant. <laughs> I know he did not direct the Zack Snyder directed film. <laughs> With the owls. Sorry. Sorry, Peter Ramsey. I know which one you did. I just got my I Guardians think, mixed I, up. Um, I follow him on Twitter. I mm. think he gets that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, one other animated film that we reported on recently is one that is in production, um, but may not be on your radar because it wasn't on our radar. And it is based on a beloved cartoon from the 1980s called Dog Tanyan and the Three Musker Hounds. 
which Musker um... Hounds. That's a little, that's a little bit sweaty. That's a little bit convoluted. <laughs> Musker Hounds. Musker Hounds. They are. It's obviously a remake or a retelling of the Alexander Dumas story. Dog, Musker the... Hounds, but, but, but Musketeer, Musketeer. Okay, okay, okay. I can. Okay. They are. They are called in the series. Because I remember it well from my childhood. See, I, don't, I don't have any. Um, don't have much memory of this. No, it is it is beloved of many people who saw it. Um, it was um, a it was a Spanish Japanese co-production, um, and it was a retelling of the Three Musketeers with talking dogs. So what's not to love? Um, and some talking cats as well. Mainly villains, it's I think. Dogtanian, not dog, not Dogtonian. What? Dogtanian. It's Dogtanian. Dogtanian. Yeah. Dogtanian. Sorry, I thought it was called Dogtonian for some reason. No, it's like D'Artagnan, but right. it's Dogtanian. And the three Muskerhounds. Although okay. in the series they were just called the Musketeers, but in the title they were called the Muskerhounds. For extra pun potential, because right. they were dogs, right. you see. And Dog Tanyan is also a dog, and most people are dogs, um, but Milady is a cat. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is where I got most of my knowledge of the Three Musketeers from. Most of my life, <laughs> it's this. This happened a lot. Like, I. I have to remind myself that um, the main character of Around the World in 80 Days is called Phileas Fogg and not Willy Fogg, um, who was the lion in the um, 80s cartoon <laughs> version Around the World in 80 Days, um, made by the same people, but with um, talking animals going around the world in 80 days. Um, yeah, so this is a, they're making a CG animated movie based on this old 80s cartoon. And it was, it was revealed at a Spanish um, animation event called 3D Wire uh, that took place a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it was, I, I managed to find out about it through Spanish language sites. So I reported on it before anyone else has done. In fact, no one else has really picked up on it either. Um, but they are making a CG animated film based on the Musker Hounds. And they are um, supposedly doing it in CG for the most part, but they're going to have um, some like 2D segments for like flashbacks and stuff to pay tribute to the original. And they're supposedly going all out for the action because they've been um, they've they've enlisted an as- actual musketeer society <laughs> to actual muskerhound. No, not muskerhounds, mus- musketeers. Musker hounds don't exist. Um, uh, there might be. I'm, I'm expecting a. a, a yeah. No, I, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. So you're not. You're not familiar with this. Um, no, I'm not. Uh, but I do notice every single time. You know, you see like compilation videos on, on YouTube or like on TV. Like, uh, loved programs of my childhood. Like it always pops up. And I'm like, oh, I know that that dog musketeer thing is a thing. But I've never seen it. It had the 
most catchy theme song. Um, and I, I think there was like a, um, there was like a, a poll done on Channel Four sometime in the nineties or something or early two thousands. Um, for the best cartoon theme song, there was like an animation the season. Dog Musketeer based cartoon. And it, it got voted the best theme song, I think. And Adam and Joe, the Adam and Joe show, presented the program. And I think they recreated the theme song. So that was, that was a special moment. Uh, it's being directed by Tony Garcia in Spain. Um, and they are currently seeking, um, apparently they're seeking a Asian co-producing partner uh, to help them complete the film. Um, and they're aiming to bring it out if everything goes to plan in around the end of 2020. But there's some really, really nice concept art you can check out in the post. Uh, or stick the link in the show notes. Um, it looks a lot like the original, um, and if they can make make the series, if they can make the movie look like that, it'll be worth watching, I reckon. Do you have anything to say, seeing as you have got no familiarity with the the source material? I'm just watching the theme tune. <laughs> <laughs> woof, 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 woof. Is that it? Yeah. Musker Hounds are always ready. It's very good. It's they try to turn a dog barking into a song. <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic. Okay. It's just like, yeah. Oof, 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 oof. Okay. Yep. <laughs> it, it looks cool. It looks cool. It reminds me, obviously, of um, Sherlock Hounds, in that it was a European-Japanese co-production in the 80s. Yeah, that that feels With like it should that feels like it should have been on TV, but I don't think it was in the UK. Sherlock Hound. Sherlock Hound. It must have been because there was a British dub. I think I think it, they just used British sounding people. I, just, I don't. I really. I think when it came out on DVD here, it was the first like a few years ago. It was like the first time it had been seen in the UK, but it feels like oh. it, it should have been on TV because it would have. It would have fitted in perfectly with Dog Tanyon and uh, Willie Fogg and all, all yeah. the other. Oh, we definitely. Aired. Oh, look at that! It aired on Channel Nine in Australia. <laughs> Apparently, so um, I think that might have been where, yeah, where it aired in English, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Or I think it probably aired in the US, but right. Sherlockham's good. <laughs> Sherlockham's great. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna say that because it had strong involvement from one Miyazaki and Yasuo Yas Yasuo Otsuka. Miyazaki directed a couple of episodes which were released. I think one of them was released as a short along with the theatrical release of Nazca. Yeah, I think so. I think I remember reading it. Yeah, they are good. They are damn good. And if you watch the episodes that Miyazaki directed, they are so Miyazaki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they really are. And um, yeah, yeah, and it's delightful. 
Okay. I think that probably wraps us up for news. I think. Okay. So we will pay a visit to the water cooler and talk about some stuff, what we have been watching and stuff. That's going to be in my head all night. That theme, of course it is. And it's also. It's also going to be the closing music to this episode, so it's going to be in other people's heads as well. Hooray. Obviously. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. Cool. Okie dokie. So, Dan, what have you been watching? Chris, um, I've been watching. Um, I've been watching all sorts. I mean, I've been I've been storyboarding this week, and um a little bit the week before and I tend to watch like a load of things but in little clips because like um uh the way I work is I when I'm storyboarding is I nick stuff from other things what are good <laughs> and I've been like watching little clips here and there of like Samurai Jack and um uh yeah um things like that my hero academia but um, in like chill out time, I've been wanting to watch things to chill out. Mm-hmm. And I was watching, um, I've mainly been watching Helda, the Netflix show mm-hmm. uh, based on the uh, comic book series by Luke Pearson. Um, yeah, um, I think that's pretty much what I've been watching that's relevant to the show, I'm afraid. Um it's great. Uh, I love it. The end. I, yeah, no, it's um, it's really an amazing show, um, and it's pretty unique, um, and it's entertaining, and it's it's absolutely gorgeous to look at. I always make sure I can watch it at the highest quality. You know, wearing headphones usually, um, so I'm completely immersed in the world. Um, yeah, I've mainly been watching Hilda. Um, how about you? I have also been watching Hilda. Um, I've just started up in the past couple of days, and it's yeah, I think I'm on, I'm, I'm on episode nine at the moment. Is there 10 or is there more? Um, I think there might be more. I feel like there are more. Um, 12 or 13? Uh, there are 13 episodes. That is brilliant, and I don't know if you are aware that it has already been recommissioned for season two. That's fantastic news, because um, I, I want to see more. I, I was aware of the comic, excuse me, I was aware of the comic series um, for a while, but it actually, um, it seemed to be a comic series that was uh popular because it had tapped into something that people were very hungry for and it sort of got like this kind of um folk taley mm-hmm. adventure timey kind of miyazaki tinged um uh essence about it uh which is perfectly suited to the uh to the age group that it's kind of become popular amongst um and i remember seeing it in like comic book shops a lot 
in the kids section as like a highlight of look here is a cool comic book for cool kids basically <laughs> um and yeah the show pretty much looks like the comics to me i mean especially the colors and the art design i think the character designs have been slightly um uh cleaned up maybe for tv production but other than that like it it kind of looks like how the comic books feel um should we talk about what it actually is because it's kind of hard to explain because in a cool uh, term it's kind of a serialized show you mm-hmm. know there's one story and whilst um kind of actually like something like breaking bad there is one continuous story but each episode is its own contained story that is yeah. satisfying in itself mm-hmm. but it ends with enough of an open uh you know it's open-ended enough that uh it allows for, like cliffhangers and for reasons to keep watching essentially so i've seen i think we probably because of that it's kind of going to be hard to talk about it without spoiling at least until maybe episode three which is when the biggest change this season happened i think which is um do you think that do you think that's fair i mean there's no other way to talk about it well i think it is in the synopsis the the, it was in the trailer yeah i think like i i feel like it's if yeah if things are in like the publicity i think it's fair mm-hmm. to talk about and mm-hmm. basically you can say if you are the kind of person who is a trailer avoider and stuff and doesn't want to know things that are in publicity then yeah a you should probably not be listening to podcasts because mm-hmm. you're just taking your life in your hands frankly but b i think yeah skip this bit i think if you're that that worried but we're not going to spoil anything okay, like, we're, okay, we're, gonna do it yeah. we're gonna do it well basically hilda is about um uh, a little girl who i think is about 12 years old um, i think so, so yes yeah she's meant to be like 11, 11 or 12. 12 and she lives she lived, she lives with her mum in a sort of wooden house in the middle of the countryside which is uh Kind of like a Norwegian tinged countryside. There's sort definitely of... they talk about fjords. And they talk about fjords. They are flashback. Yeah. Everyone's Vikings. There you go. Um, but all the cast speak with British accents. Mm-hmm. Actually, sorry, all the human cast do. Yeah, most of the human cast do. Anyway, um, so she's living with her mum in this sort of closed-off location, and as we meet her, she's running through the woods with her. Her pal, um, her dear fox, Twig. <laughs> dear and fox. <laughs> already, you're sort of you're sort of watching it, and it's like, oh, this is is this fantasy? Like, and basically, it's like a very folktale tinged view of the Norwegian countryside. Mm-hmm. One of her first encounters is with a troll, um, who follows the uh, you know the folktale rules of. Um, being active at night and not so much in the daytime. Um, and uh, yeah, so basically she, um, in the first chapter, she's living with her mum, and they are having a problem with what seems to be like a poltergeist. And the show is kind of scary. Mm. 
I mean, that's one of my favorite things about it is that it's it's genuinely spooky. Um, in a way that something like Adventure Time ended up being in certain places, Gravity Falls, and um, what was the other one? The one that was actual Spook Town, um, over the Garden Wall. Oh right, yeah, yeah. So like, it's kind of got that kind of vibe about it, and um. Yeah, Hilda likes she's she's sort of got like this heightened sense of other worlds about her. And um long story short, she discovers that there are invisible people who are tiny, who live in houses that are just about as big as her foot, um, dotted all around where her and her mum lives. And there's this sort of like tension between you know, whether they can sustainably, whether they can realistically carry on living there. Um, and eventually, uh, yeah, by episode three, her and her mum have their house destroyed. I'm skipping a lot. But her and her mum have their house destroyed by a giant, um, much, in an, much in the same way that they were stepping on the houses of the little people without realising it. Um, uh a giant just nonchalantly walks over the house and the mum realises, well, maybe it's time to move to the big city, to Trollberg, a city which is um, a short while away and has a sort of Game of Thrones-style wall built around it. Oh, I was going to say Attack on Titan-style wall. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. No, that's even... It's to keep trolls out. Clearer, yes. Absolutely. Um, so it's this whole sort of like walled city that sort of feels like the cross between a Norwegian town and what I want to say is my image of a Canadian town. <laughs> um, uh, and there she is faced with uh, the scariest thought of all for her, which is fitting in with normal kids. Uh, which is as good a setup to you know any sitcom or you know movie or TV show. Um, and the rest of the season is kind of about her and her very uh, magical, like I said, folktale tinged life, clashing with everyday problems like making friends at school and not being noticed and. Uh, you know, trying to get along with her teachers, or not get in trouble with her teachers. Um, yeah, uh, I love the show. It's great. It's kind of, it's very much for kids, but it's actually very enjoyable for, um, for I think anyone actually. Yeah, um, it's smart. It's very funny. Like I said, it's mainly just beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's got a very interesting story structure whereby, you know, like we said, you've sort of got a monster of the week, literally. Um, along with like this overarching story, which is Hilda, um, you know, making friends and uh, becoming becoming a hero of Trollberg in, in her own small little way. Yeah, I, uh, I love this show, man. Yeah, it's so great. Uh, I I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head with like the comparisons in that it it's a little bit little bit Adventure Time, 
it's a little bit Miyazaki. It's a little bit Moomins, all and a little bit like Gravity mm. Falls and everything. All those, all those things. But it's also got a distinctive feel. It feels distinctly European, and tonally, it, yes. it feels, it feels, it doesn't feel like Adventure Time, whatever. Because you know, Adventure Time, I, I suppose, you know, it's obviously very American. Uh, it's very. Um, I'm not sure if shrills to the right word, but you know, it's um, a bit manic. And well, I think this is this is a very significant thing. Every episode is 24 minutes. Oh. It allows for a kind of pacing that you don't get in things like Adventure Time, mm-hmm. which are 11 minutes. So every moment is just allowed to breathe in a slightly different way. Um, and in those little moments, you get character development. You get to just sit in the landscape for a second and take it all in. Um, and that I really appreciate. I think that is, I think basically what it's done is very clever. And like you're saying, it's not a cynical blend of all those things. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't feel like a, um, uh, like a reverse engineered thing. Yeah, not at all. Like very naturally all of those influences have come together to be this one thing, which is very much its own thing. But it also seems to be sort of um, perfectly riding that wave, which is cresting of all of those things. You know, there seems to be, and it seems to have done very well. Obviously we don't know because it's Netflix, but it, uh, it seems to have tapped into a hunger for something which I think was going to hit eventually sooner sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, yeah, so uh, yeah, all those all those influences are are sort of baked into the cake in a loving way. They're not they're not cynically sprinkled about. Yeah, and I I love how the tone is is different like there's a whole whole thing about elves and paperwork and things like that and there's also a lot of the creatures and everything are, are like original creations like there's these things called woffs that are like uh, dog clouds basically um yeah they seem to be i mean they seem to be they they evoke mm. uh, a similar kind of feeling as um oh the floating head dog the floating dog head in never-ending story yeah yeah for me um yeah yeah i guess i mean it'd be interesting to talk to uh unfortunately we are just uh brits today yeah it'd be interesting to speak to uh our american friends about you know whether it feels like a british show to them because everyone speaks in an english accent uh i mean a lot of the cast does a lot of the main cast hilda her mum and her two friends. Um, yeah, and I wondered if, uh, yeah, there's a feeling about it. Mm-hmm. British. I think it feels neither. It feels quite nicely everything. It's animated in Canada. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of uh, a, Canadian, a softer Canadian sensibility about the art design, actually. Um. Yeah, no, I. Uh, yeah, I just dig it. I've got to see more of it. 
it's it's genuinely funny and just gorgeously animated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it's one of those like things on Netflix where you're like, I'm going to try and ration myself so I don't just watch it all at once. <laughs> Do you get that? Yeah, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not rationing it for any other reason than just I don't want there to be none more of it to let. Yeah. None more of it left to watch. Yeah, I, mean, totally. I want it to be the case that I can see some more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just looks... Yeah, it's, um, it's a great show. I don't know what else there is to say about it. The characters are great as well. Mm-hmm. it's Hilda and it's on Netflix and you can watch it now if you've got Netflix obviously <laughs> and you can buy the books as well I guess the graphic novels um, mm-hmm. where books are sold <laughs> as they say all good and evil booksellers um, I also did finish off watching another Netflix original animated series aimed at a youngish audience, and that is uh, The Dragon Prince, which I think has also been recommissioned already. Um, I said before that I was not very impressed with this series, but I would probably finish it. I have finished it. I remain unimpressed. Um, yeah, The animation style... I found hard to deal with. Um, it's it's doing the trying to do the CG free two D combination thing, but it it's clunky and it, it's hard. I didn't. I find it. <laughs> I find it uh, annoying to be honest. Um, really? it, look, it looks. I gotta say, I've seen the trailer and it looks fine. It's kind of doing that thing where, yeah, the animation is. Um, they would call it stepped in a way that kind of is trying to mimic limited animation. Yeah, I heard, I heard, I saw someone, someone who works on it saying, oh, well, we wanted to do the CG so we could do like more fancy camera angles or whatever, but we wanted to, we wanted to avoid the, the floaty look that some CG has. So we tried to mimic, the limited look of anime or some anime or something and it's like I, I don't think it works <laughs> right you're not I think it looks right I've only seen trailers I think it, I'm convinced okay uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you've seen the show though I did not like the show <laughs> no it was it felt very kid show to me to be honest um and it didn't, what do you mean by that? I don't know. It's hard to put a finger on, but just because obviously Hilda is a children's show, but it doesn't feel like I'm, you know, I don't feel like it's, I'm, I don't feel bad I think, watching okay, I it. Think, I think maybe what, I, what I'd say is there's a difference between making something that you like and is suitable for children mm-hmm. and from the ground and just from the word go saying, well, what are kids like? Uh, I don't know. Let's, and you know, kind of reverse engineer it around what kids like, mm-hmm. which always seems to be the way not to go because you end up, I feel like that. The, uh, I'm not actually just talking about the Brad, Dragon Prince here. I'm talking about uh, everything. I think when you do that, you're in danger of doing that thing that everyone 
knows you ought not to do, which is talk down to children. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true as much for Winnie the Pooh as it is for the age group of the Dragon Prince, which I presume is a kind of like eight and up, mm -hmm. you know, kind of eight to 12 sort of age group, um, which I think is the hardest age group to write for, actually, because there are lots of demands about, you know, um, it's essentially pre-pubescent. Yeah. So there's an, there's a, there's a kind of, the beginnings of self-awareness and an awareness of the world, but, but a lacking awareness of lots of other things. And uh, it, it's very easy to end up being condescending, I think. Is, is, that, is that maybe what, what, what's the case with the Dragon Prince, you'd say? I don't know. I don't know that it necessarily is. I don't want to be too harsh on it. Because I, I feel like other people have... I don't think you're being harsh on it. I think it's... You know, your, your job as a critic is to give your honest opinion based on your reaction. And I think it's okay. You're not entirely writing it off. No. But it, uh, but, so therefore it's okay to examine the parts of it that you... Uh, you know, we're left a little bit lukewarm about. So, like, was it maybe the story, which was... Yeah, this, yeah it wasn't particularly that engaging, or the characters. Uh, there's basically, like, the main characters are, like, these two princes. One of them's, one of them's the son of the the king, and the other one is, like, the adop his adopted brother. And there's also a... a elf warrior with a scottish accent who's who they team up with because elves and humans are in a war but uh they end up um basically being on the same side to try and protect the dragon's egg um it's just i i found it a bit flat to be honest and like none of the dialogue or anything grabbed me and there were like weird references pop culture occasionally like Game of Thrones and stuff that just seemed a bit out of place and I don't know it's just I, I know some mm. people liked it more than I do but I just yeah it didn't it didn't engage me and I'm you know I don't really have any interest in seeing any more of it <laughs> having watched the first I do. season which is nine episodes so it wasn't too too much but still it mm. I it took me longer to get through than it would something that <laughs> something that I'm trying to ration myself on for example because I don't want to run out of it yeah so Dragon Prince I, I didn't really like it <laughs> sorry <laughs> but your mileage may vary on this didn't you, there wasn't anything else you'd be watching or Oh, animation wise I don't think man um I don't think so I've I've been uh I've I've been a good worker this week and a bad animation fan that's all right you've been making animation so yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think uh, that's it just Hilda but you know it's a pretty good one I'd say yeah 
I concur. Yeah. Go watch Hilda. It's great. Um, so I guess that probably will wrap us up for today. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll be back soon with some more animation topics and more people on the show next time, I imagine. Um, if you want to keep up with everything we're doing, you can follow us on animationforadults.com. You can follow us on Twitter at AFO blog. Follow us on Facebook, on Pinterest. I won't say Google Plus anymore because they're shutting that down. Uh, did you know that? <laughs> I thought it already had been shut down. That's the problem, I think. <laughs> well, it's their problem. I mean, look, that pretty much died like two weeks after it came out, didn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're also on Instagram. Uh, you can, if you want to help us uh, make more stuff, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash animation for adults. Uh, you can come, you can also buy us a virtual coffee using ko-fi.com or you can follow me personally at Mr. Crystal on Twitter. Where can we find you, Dan? You can find me on Twitter at Hamoot. Okay. We'll be back soon. Anyway, that's the end of the show. <laughs> Bye. we believe journalism can change the story. When the Windrush generation were branded illegal immigrants, our reporting gave them a voice, urging the government to change their policy. And when we investigated the misuse of your social data, it prompted an inquiry holding those responsible to account. The Guardian is a space for clarity, imagination, hope. You can support our journalism today by becoming a digital subscriber at theguardian.com slash change the story.